Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. Special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. Perhaps you've heard the expression, the more, the merrier. We use that expression when we're getting together for the football game on the weekend with the friends or when we're having a potluck here at church. The Lord uses that expression in a sense in his church too. He wants all people to know of his love. And he uses so many different people and their gifts in his service. Today we'll hear more about that in our readings, in our songs. As we follow along with the order of worship printed out for us in our worship folder or projected on the screen, the theme for our service today is the Lord's ministry is more than just us. Let's begin by singing our first hymn then, hymn 539. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. 
For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. pray. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the strength of all who trust in you, help us to live according to your design and to treasure both your word of command and your word of forgiveness. Make our lives to be signs of your life and the instruments of renewal in our world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. be seated for the scripture lessons. Our first lesson for today is taken from Numbers chapter 11. Moses was feeling burdened with ministry. The Israelites were complaining and griping and accusing. The Lord reminded him, I can use others in my ministry as well. And the Lord enabled some of the elders of Israel to prophesy, to speak God's word as well. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. 
So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This is the word of our God. Our second lesson is taken from Philippians chapter 1. Paul could have felt miserable about his situation. Uh, He was in chains, uh, in light prison, yet Paul was able to rejoice because in good times or bad, as long as the gospel of Jesus was being proclaimed, it didn't matter who God was using for that, whether it was him or others. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. This is the word of our God. honor of the gospel. The gospel for today, taken from Mark chapter 9, also serves as the basis for our sermon. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. 
It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 546. mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today from Mark chapter 9. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Lettuce, peas, celery, onions, mayo, shredded cheese, and bacon. Mmm. Those seven ingredients make up a delicious dish, one of my faves, seven-layer salad. My mom made it for me when I was growing up. My wife still makes it for me on my birthdays and some other times during the year as well. 
There are some recipes that you just taste, and you've got to have again. You've got to hold on to. You've got to save and savor those. I'm sure you have some like that too. Maybe it was the cookies that your mom made, or a casserole, some soup, or a salad. Recipes that you just have to keep on using and share with others as well. Today, Jesus shares some ingredients with you and me. Ingredients worth hanging on to and coming back to over and over again. Because they all have to do with what our Savior craves the most. It's our salvation. When that oven is finally preheated and the final beeper goes off, he wants us safe with him. So today Jesus offers to you and to me a recipe to savor. It's Jesus' recipe to save. Three ingredients that we'll talk about, a cup of water, a cut of flesh, and crammed with salt. The ugly mold of jealousy kept showing up among the disciples. We saw it last weekend in the gospel as they were arguing about who was the greatest while they were walking along the road with Jesus, kind of arguing among themselves. And here... John, the disciple John, whom Jesus loved, he brings out the same kind of a dish. John tells Jesus, well, Jesus, there was this other person that we saw who was driving out demons in your name. We told him to stop because he was not one of us. It's interesting as you read through Mark chapter 9, earlier on in the chapter, a man had brought his son, who was demon-possessed, to the disciples And they could not drive it out. Yet now here, the disciples refer to noticing someone else who could drive out demons. It seems as though there was some jealousy going on among the disciples. Other people shouldn't be able to do that. We, the twelve, we should have a monopoly on miracles. Everything should be channeled through us. All the ministry should be limited to just us. Your special chosen disciples, right, Jesus? And anything else was going to turn into a bowl of sour grapes for them. The same thing happens among you and me, too. When we turn work in Jesus' kingdom into a competition, this can happen on an individual level. Well, I'm pretty sure I give way more money in the offerings than those people do. I'm way more musical than she is or most of the other people around here. I've served on more committees and more boards for far longer than anyone else. My family's been part of this congregation for generations. Who do these other people think that they are? We can turn ministry into a competition at the congregational level too. Well, have you noticed how much our congregation is growing lately? And how many great people there are here? All the other churches in the area, they should really sit down and take notes or just close up shop altogether. It can happen on a denominational level, too. Well, did you realize that 
our Lutheran Church body is specially endorsed by the Lord Jesus himself. Ministry is brought to you today by the wells. We are just God's gift to the earth. Isn't God fortunate to have us? Anyone who goes anywhere else is clearly making a grave mistake. And we turn ministry, work in God's kingdom, into a competition. But did you notice what that other man was doing? The man that the disciples ran into? He was driving out demons. What amazing and wonderful and beneficial work the demon-possessed boy earlier on in Mark chapter 9. That boy, when Jesus came near, that demon threw the boy on the ground. He was rolling around and foaming at the mouth. The boy's dad said that for some time now, that demon would throw that boy into the fire or into the water to try to kill him. But when Jesus stepped onto the scene, when Jesus, uh, his name freed that boy, cast out that demon, What relief, what joy, what gratitude that boy and his parents knew. They wouldn't worry and wonder all times of the day. Are we going to have to go and snatch our son to safety? Jesus drove that that demon away. So when the disciples came upon that other person who was driving out demons, who was bringing help and healing by Jesus' authority, who was driving away doubt and death-inducing devils from people, who was carrying out ministry in line with Jesus' will and his word, Jesus said, don't hinder him. Don't stop him. When other people are doing ministry in Jesus' name, that's something to celebrate. That's something to rejoice over. That's something to encourage them in whether they are helping the poor, visiting the sick, whether they are comforting the lonely, whether they are teaching Sunday school or bringing Jesus' forgiveness to others, bringing Jesus' guidance or comfort, even something as small as a cup of water offered in Jesus' name. He says, surely they will not lose their reward. All who serve humbly in the name of their Savior will receive the exalted reward that he has achieved for them in heaven. This is all part of Jesus' recipe to save. Acknowledging and rejoicing in others who serve in Jesus' kingdom, even if it's just bringing people a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. The next ingredient Jesus mentions is a cut of flesh. As we prepare food, It's usually better for us and tastes better when we cut certain things away and only use certain parts of it. Take eggs, for example. When you prepare eggs, you crack and toss away the shell while you use the white and the yolks, mix it together and make your scrambled eggs. Or how about beef? As you prepare a cow, usually the hide and the bones and the tendons, those are all discarded. But then the round and the loin and the chuck and all those wonderful tasty portions of meat we cook up and love. They are delicious. But some parts you cut away because it tastes better and is better for you. 
Jesus uses sharp language here about cutting away anything that causes to sin. He speaks about hands and feet and eyes, and that may seem a little gruesome to us, but Jesus is dead serious about this. Cut off anything that causes you to sin because Jesus knows that sin left to fester and infect leads to eternal fire. The first kind of stumbling block or sin that Jesus speaks of is those who cause little ones who believe in him to sin. And that verse actually balances or or tempers the words that we first covered. Yes, we are to rejoice in other people who do ministry in Jesus' name, but Jesus has the strongest warning for those who lead other people into sin. Things like false doctrine, false teachers. Jesus considers that an urgent, big deal. Cut that off. Get rid of that. Whether they're leading little children into sin or even grown adults who are young or still weak in their faith. That's a big deal. But this also includes those who raise their young ones to love sports and celebrate sports but not keep their eyes on the prize that Jesus won for them. Or those who raise their young ones to chase after vacations and entertainment and experiences, but not the one thing needful. This also includes those who get their children involved in Christian education, Christian schooling, but then they themselves have no interest in learning more about God or his word or Jesus. Little ones listen. They look. They learn from the example of their big brothers and sisters and their parents and others around them. They follow those things. This warning of Jesus would also include those who bring their children to worship, but then the rest of the week by their language and their lifestyle contradict everything that their children heard. This also includes any Christian, even if they don't have little ones, but their attitude toward others about God's word. Jesus has a sharp warning for them. Anyone who leads these little ones into sin, or or worse yet, to fall away from the faith completely, it would be better if they had a heavy hunk of cement hung around their neck and sink into the depths of the sea. Sharp language. Anything that causes to sin, cut it off. Even if it's a hand or a foot or an eye, it's actually a very apt comparison, isn't it? Because how often, just like our appendages, do we get so attached to sin? And it becomes an extension of us. But Jesus reminds us here that no sin will be allowed in his eternal kingdom. Not even a hangnail worth of sin. We use certainly these body parts as part of sin. Eyes that look down on others in arrogance. Eyes that look past people in disregard. Eyes that look up and down people in lust. Hands that swipe and squander God's blessings. Feet that are quick to rush into other people's business where they have no right being, feet 
that kick up in the lounge chair, constantly relaxing and never going about the important role and responsibility that God has given to you, lazy feet. Jesus speaks so sharply about cutting off anything that causes to sin because he knows it leads to anything that is far more chilling than any Halloween decoration or haunted house. It leads to hell. The word that Jesus uses for hell here has to do with a valley that was outside of Jerusalem. And that valley was just a big garbage dump. Out in that dump, there was always refuse that was rotting and there was rubbish that was burning constantly. The amazing thing, the phenomenal thing about hell is that the fire never dies out. It's constantly scorching and the worm never stops gnawing away and eating. These sharp words that Jesus uses cut off anything that causes to sin. Whether that's being in the company of certain people, you're constantly getting caught up in sin with them, certain media that leads you into sin, certain substances or foods or beverages that lead you into sin, cut that off. Get away from it. But Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 7 that it's not really hands or feet or eyes that cause us to sin. The cause or the origin of sin is really original sin, our sinful nature, our sinful flesh. This is difficult. It's painful. But every day, Jesus urges us in these words to cut off our sinful flesh, to carve out our flesh, to kill by confessing our sin. Confess your sin and put it onto the one who became sin for us at the cross. At the cross, Jesus was cut off for all of our sin. At the cross, Jesus was treated like garbage, like refuse. He was dumped outside of the city so that you and I will enter eternal life in heaven through him. That's part of Jesus' recipe to save because he wants us safe with him. He wants nothing more than us with him in eternal life. He reminds us every day, cut off what causes to sin by confessing it and looking to your Savior in faith. Cut of flesh. The final ingredient, crammed with salt. In the ancient world, in the Roman world, where Jesus grew up and ministered and walked among us, salt was a very important commodity. Salt people used to flavor their food. They would oftentimes flavor their uh, green vegetables with, with salt. And one of the leftovers that has been handed down to you and me from that is that we call those green leaves with toppings, we call that salad. Sounds kind of like salt. Uh, another thing that they used to do with salt was use that as part of wages for the soldiers. Uh, that showed their worth, uh, that they were worth their salt. And what's trickled down to us from that today is that we still consider wages a person's salary uh, related to the word salt. But one thing that they definitely used salt for was to preserve foods, keep them from rotting, keep them from going bad, 
foods like bacon or pickles or cucumbers, used to, salt used to preserve food. Jesus' words here in the last couple of verses are difficult for us to digest, aren't they? To track exactly what Jesus is talking about. But in this section, Jesus is chiefly talking about preserving. Jesus is talking about preserving the different gifts being used to his glory, preserving his people from being thrown into the fires of hell, preserving peace among his people. Jesus says, salt is good. Have salt among yourselves. Cram yourselves full of salt. Keep things salty. Be salty Christians. We cram each other full of salt when we let God's word dwell richly among us, admonishing and encouraging each other with all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts to God. We let this recipe of each other, uh, saved by Jesus, be crammed by salt when we don't give up meeting with each other, but encourage each other and all the more as we see the day approaching, spurring each other on toward love and good deeds. We are crammed with salt as we encourage one another in Jesus, as we season our conversation with grace reminding each other of God's forgiveness in Jesus, his grace taking all of our sins away. As we talk to each other, when sin needs to be cut off, we say that in love and with a desire for peace among each other. Let's keep this recipe, Jesus' recipe worth saving. Keep it crammed with salt and be at peace with each other. When you finished your meal, the meal that you enjoyed and the meal that you love coming back to, your favorite recipe, it's always nice to have a little dessert. And that's what Jesus has saved for you and me too. The tastiest part is that we get to be with him forever in heaven. That's why we keep coming back to these ingredients over and over again. A cup of water as we celebrate others who do work in Jesus' kingdom alongside of us. A cut of flesh as we confess our sin and look to our Savior in faith. And crammed with salt as we seek to live at peace, encouraging each other in the peace that Jesus has won for you and me. This is Jesus' recipe to save. Let's savor it, use it, and share it with others as well. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by singing the last two verses of hymn 546.
confess our Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, help us to live lives worthy of the calling that we have received. Help us to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Help us to keep unity in you through the bond of peace. Let us rejoice in all who serve Christ by your gifts and cut off and confess all that causes sin. Preserve us in your mercy by your powerful word. Lord Jesus, you came from heaven and sought us to be your holy bride. With your own blood you bought us, and for our life you died. We praise you for uniting Courtney Johnson and Dylan Boys in marriage yesterday at St. Paul's. Keep their new household aligned with you. Help them cherish and live your cleansing in baptism. Bless them with strong faith in you and strong love for each other. Heavenly Father, watch over your child, Hollis Peck, as she awaits your call home to glory. In your wisdom and perfect timing, allow her to enter the eternal rest secured by your son, Jesus, and let her entire family inherit the same firm faith that you have given to her, holding on to your promises by your spirit. In Jesus' name, we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in love, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. 
He sends the Holy Spirit to testify that we are his children and to strengthen us when we are weak. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Congregation may be seated. <clears throat> 